This is Changeling the Podcast. Welcome to Changeling the Podcast. Come for the glamour, stay for the vibes. I'm your host, Josh, and with us is our other your other host, Puka. Say hi, Puka. Hi, Puka. What are we doing today, Puka? The same thing we do every week, Josh. Sorry, I've, I've been waiting Talk- to do that. Actually, for- we're not, because we're not exact. Are we talking about a change in the book? Well, that is a good point. This is, this is a little bit different, and I think this will turn out to be what we might refer to as a mini-sode. We'll see how long this episode ends up being. I don't know if it counts as yes. that. But to answer your question more properly, we'll be talking about Rage Against Appalachia, which is referred to as a regional source book for Werewolf the Apocalypse and Changeling the Dreaming. But more the former than the latter. But it definitely is a source book for Changeling the Dreaming, I would say. For sure. There are pieces that are certainly source material for Changeling. Yeah. So yeah, we wanted to give a bit of a content warning. Not content warning. Disclaimer. Disclaimer, yeah. Yeah. We're two white people talking about indigenous issues and things like that. We're doing our best, but... We're attempting to handle this with as much sensitivity as we are able. Yeah. Maybe we we should not be treated as experts in the subject is probably the best way of saying it. Yeah. So yeah, we are looking at the changeling portions of this book, not giving it a the full werewolf side because it's not really relevant to the podcast. But please go listen to Werewolf, the podcast run by Josh Heath for more information about the werewolf material. Yes, friend of the show, Josh Heath. So yeah, there's multiple chapters in this book, like many books, but we'll be starting, I believe, on chapter two. Aside from the introduction, though, yes, there's chapter two. Yes. So this is on the geography of Appalachia. I was going through the specific changeling parts. Those seem to do at least not just doing what you could do in Wikipedia now, or is it more like that for the rest of the book? chapter well a lot of it yeah a lot of it is information that you could find elsewhere some of it is or a good deal of it really is structured around the various septs and werewolf packs that occupy the area so sites of importance to the garu but then there are a couple pages at the end where they talk about sites that are important to the fey for various reasons yes so i know there was uh, mount mitchell mm-hmm. and what were the other areas would you say that were are worth mentioning well so mount mitchell is part of the county of balsam which is the freehold of countess Ter- it's Teresa, but spelled all irish like so Teresa, lady of the black dome and she's they go into more detail in chapter four when they give the actual stats for all the characters and stuff but basically uh she's the most awful fiona ever apologies to any house fiona fans who are listening but she is just the worst expression of house fiona I'd say more, I'm not as much a fan as Fiona. It's more of the she I end up going, hey, I like them. There's a good chance it's Fiona. But this, yeah. this is an example of not a great one. Every once in a while, a not so great Fiona slips through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Then we have Roan Mountain, where there's an unseely motley who plays bluegrass at local festivals. I do feel a little bit charmed by reading that because as a kid, I will tell an anecdote. I used to go to the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair every year, 
And there was a band there called Arcona Real Band that was sort of Appalachian, Celtic folk, bluegrass, mishmash people. And I was one of those kids who loved showing up to the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair and listening to eight people playing dulcimers for an hour. So I like that. I'd like to think that the author, which is Jackie Casada in this case, who, as we've discussed before, hailed from the region and so had a deep affection for it, that was the kind of band and energy that she was trying to capture with having that kind of group be a changeling motley. Well, that is awesome. Yeah, I have, I have my own childhood bluegrass connection things, but that's very different from... <laughs> I'm not from that region at all, but uh, just through my grandfather and stuff. I was really into that. So That still counts, I'd say. Yeah. Then we have High Castle Airy, which we've already looked at in Freeholds and Hidden Glens. These are some crafty types who hide out deep in the wilderness of Appalachia. It's a runaway she and her lover and a couple associates, and they go around the local markets selling stuff. And then Chimney Tops, which is a group of Nunahi hidden in the mountains who have made overtures to the Garu about joining forces. Yes. That group had an interesting little comment talking about they have knowledge exchange with shamans, and it was unclear who they were talking about, but it's definitely showing that the According to this book, at least the Nunehi are, sometimes it can feel like, oh, they're disconnected from their from all mortals. But no, it seems like they are tied to at least people within the same cultural group, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's a little bit, well, we can get it to a chapter four. There's more about that that I want to say. <laughs> yeah. And there's another interesting bit on just our, our ongoing discussion of changelings in the spirit worlds. Uh, early in this chapter, it also says that fairies count at spirits, but it also says monsters do. So uh, I think this is evidence, really, that vampires count as spirits. Oh no! Does that mean we can affect vampires with spirit sphere? That's that's a question for Mage the podcast. Noted. One other thing in this chapter, which I feel like was something that almost happened but then didn't, and I'm really pissed that it didn't, is. In the background behind the text, we get line drawings of the changeling stained glass icons for two of the freeholds. And one has like a cloud with rain falling and one has a harp, I think. And it just makes me think, was there the idea at some point to have a, a system of heraldry in the game where each freehold kind of got its own emblem? Because that would have been so cool. And I'm really mad if that didn't happen. Oh, that would have been. I mean, we can make it a thing with our own freeholds, but... Yes, that'd have been a lot of art. It would have been, but still, yeah. it would have been so cool. And if if that was intended, there was one other bit on the Nunahi in this chapter that stood out to me. Was it said on Mount Mitchell that the Kithane and the Nunahi in that area have a exchange of fosterlings, hmm. which seems like if it became more of a thing, would be very relevant to the setting. But mm, yeah, but that's all we get for the actual fairy sites in the region. And it's, you know, two pages out of a chapter of like 20 pages. So mm -hmm. again, the book is more werewolf heavy than changeling heavy. But then chapter four is entirely devoted to the fae, which is nice. Yeah, the mountain dreamers. What were your thoughts on chapter four? I liked it better than I expected I would. Mm, I'll accept that. I'm not saying there were no problems, but there were fewer problems and more things I liked than I expected. Which things in particular did you find appealing, I suppose? Well, um, we should probably talk about what was in it first, maybe. <laughs> yes. So yeah, we get a bunch of things. We get the history of the Fae in the region, um, Kithane and Nunahi and hints of others. 
some of the stuff in the history. I mean, we've gone over the history before of, of Concordia in general, but it did mention what I think were lost ones, but hiding in glens. But this yeah. would have been like part of that whole pre-Columbian Kithane traveling to North America thing, yeah. or the Americas. Which is a little bit, not only yeah. problematic, but also like confusing in how to fit it into anything else in Changeling. Yeah, it's it's one of those pieces of, I suppose, canon lore that I tend to just elide from thinking about. Because it really, it doesn't really seem to serve much purpose, except if you really, for some reason, want to have European Kithane lost one Glen buried in the wilderness of Appalachia for some reason. I suppose you can, but creating a whole narrative that pairs with this sort of pseudo history that's been used for problematic things just feels really yeah. awkward at least this time they didn't travel with the humans at all and they weren't change lungs small steps yes um also mentioned something when it's talking about the moon landing parts it was the rare merger of human science and inspiration uh this chapter in general went pretty hard on the um, maybe even more than the core book first edition core book on the science is banal side of things which given it's also a werewolf book kind of makes sense to me yeah (laughs) if if you try to relate banality and glamour in werewolf terms that you're definitely going to fall down that road oh and it says the get offenders get along with the trolls in this book i think they've always been more or less okay with the trolls it's just the she that oh it's just the she that rode them around like dogs or like horses or something yes okay wolfy horses but yeah this is i believe this is the introduction to the nunahi like as to actual rules and details Yes, we finally get mechanics. Yes, which now it makes a little bit more sense why they... I didn't realize it started here. It makes a little bit more sense why they have all that Umbra stuff. Mm, Yeah. I'm not saying I like it, but I can see how you get there. I want to clarify something really important because I've seen it come up again and again in discussions about the Nunahi online, which is Mm -hmm. there's this misconception people seem to have that the Nunahi, because in the game they are described as severed from the dreaming, even though they have this connection with the Umbra to make up for it. Because of that, people seem to think, oh, that means they can't get glamour from dreamers by music. Yeah. And it's very, very clearly stated that they can. It is, however, more difficult for them when trying to muse someone not from the culture that they hail from. A little bit more than that, it's it also depends on the cultural activity of the person they're using. Yes, yes. But regardless of whether you think that part, the increased difficulty, is acceptable or not in the game, it is very clear that, yes, they can get glamour from humans. Mm-hmm. There are extensive rules about how they gain glamour from nature, probably in part because this is the first time in the game where we get rules for how to gain glamour from nature. So they had to be presented more extensively. Yes. The other thing is that I've seen in discussions of this online and whatnot, it's not saying that the Nunahi always had that. The right, umbral yeah. connection, the different ways of glam- gaining glamour and whatnot are presented as something happening as a consequence of colonialism. Yeah, since they're shattering. Yeah, like I could, if you tweaked this slightly to the Kithane came and took over the trots. So the Nuni had limited access. It suddenly makes a, would make a lot more sense, although that's not really what it presents. Yeah, I'm just going to say that, you know, there were no pre-Columbian transoceanic she. Oh, just... I'm not even talking about that. It's, it's <laughs> No, this is the actual post-Columbian transit. Oh, I see. Transoceanic okay. commoners. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is what caused the problem. But, uh, so yeah, there's there's implications like, well, what does it mean you're cut off from the umbra? Because this, this book also does say they can enter the dreaming. 
through the Umbra. Right. It's just difficult because the Umbra can be difficult. So if like some Kithane opens a trod and says, hey, my Nunahi friend, come on through, like what happens? I- I'm unclear. I'd assume they can they can go through a trod with someone else. But I believe for them, stepping sideways is equivalent to opening a trod in that it takes Wayfair and Fey of the same levels. Yes. That, that is in there. And must be in their element. But... Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's actually a really hard way to get into the Umbra. I'd say it's easier to, than getting into the Dreaming, but harder than a werewolf getting into the Umbra. Those werewolves, they just... They trip and they fall into the umbra. Yeah, what did they do before mirror before pocket mirrors were a thing? But um, bodies of water, puddles. That's true. There's less of those anyway. There's two other comments talking about changelings can muse the nunihi, other like Kithane and whatnot. Which is what can changelings muse changelings? Like Kithane can muse change Kithane. And uh, the other question of a different kind of. I'm not sure what to think about this. It's the first talk of White Issue. Mm, yes. Which, yes, anyway. Raises questions. Yeah. And by saying I'm not sure to talk about that, I'm really actually not sure what to think about that. Not, I automatically think it's bad or whatever, but. Well, and and later on we do get, you know, Lord Dice, but yeah. we can only tackle so many problematic topics in one episode, so. Yes. Just thought I'd mention it's in there. It's the first time I saw yeah. it in Changeling Books. I believe that issue is also kind of presented as as ethnically ambiguous. I don't know, but he's he's described as kind of looking different every time people meet him. Hmm. He's he's more of a proto Pisky in a sense than <laughs> a proto C twenty Pisky. Wandering storytellers going on adventures and maybe a little bit of trickster bed like yeah yeah. Anyway, after that, we do get three of the families of the Nunihi, which are the Nanihi, the Yunwei and the Yumeyamehinehi, who are all, as far as I'm aware, drawn from Cherokee folklore. I do have links that I want to post in the show notes about how I learned more about, about these figures from, from folklore, so I will do that. And they also appear later in the Player's Guide, along with the other, I believe, ten families in that book. But these are ones, again, local to Appalachia, as is the term Nunahi. So it almost seems like I almost wonder if Nunahi was meant to be a local term first and then just got extended to mean all indigenous Fey in Concordia. But it, I think it actually says that in this chapter. Like this is the term for them here. There are some little bits of mechanical information. They get an additional success when they use primal. Their freeholds are called townships or encampments. And it's a difficulty plus one for anyone trying to use banality to overcome those places. Which I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I guess that's good. Yep. Do I talk about their courts? Yes. Well, instead of instead of courts, they have camps. There's rock, dogwood, and laurel, which are also called winter, summer, and mid-season. They're not exactly equivalent to unseely, sealy, and in-between, but they sort of function in the same way of the Nunahi having a legacy of each type and kind of switching back and forth between them. Mm-hmm. And they get totems, which are similar to werewolf totems in that they are spirits that the Nunahi feels an affiliation with. It gives them some kind of mechanical benefit, but unlike werewolf totems, they are not pack totems. They are for the individual and therefore are cheaper in background points. Yes. 
And also they specify the totems would appear differently for them than a totem would for a werewolf pack. Like even if it was nominally the same spirit. Uh, I didn't really understand the werewolf aspect. That's something about like when you have a pack totem, it's not really the spirit that you have the pack totem of, but like one of their subordinates, I think it was saying. Or I'm going to throw a bit of shade and suggest that it might be the Nuni have a more direct and honest connection with the spirit, whereas the werewolves tend to see it through the lens of how they want to see it yeah. in their mission to preserve God. Yeah, it also said that the choice of typical choices of Garu and the typical choices of Nuni, he also they'll often pick different spirits. Yeah. Because to do that crossing into the Umbra thing for a Nunahi, the element has to match what you pick. So it's like, well, if you picked a wolf totem, you'd have to open up a portal at a, on a wolf. And that could be a problem. <laughs> so they'll pick things like plants that grow in the area or something. Right. They tend to be more inanimate than the werewolf yeah. ones. I think mm-hmm. pick is also a strong turn here. <laughs> it's, like, it's more well, of a... It seemed like a conscious choice on what totem to choose for the Nunahi. I think it's more they come to realize what is significant to them and mm. and then sort of decide to make that connection, if I was reading it. Okay. Yeah, one, another, pointing out a problematic element said that Nunahi have to have a tribal membership, mm. which I'm not sure how the politics work in the US, but saying that in Canada would be, that's a problem. Well, so I will say in the US, you know, there is there's the narrative of people kind of claiming distant ancestry of one indigenous yes. group and using that as an excuse to, for example, be really racist. And so, you know, I wonder to what degree that played into the thought process for putting that in there. But Yeah. And definitely for, if you're just talking about Appalachia, it means something different. Because I know here yeah. it's... <laughs> There's some self-determination laws just being passed. They get around this, but there's a lot of uh, federally mandated rules as to who counts as what. Yeah. I mean, I have faith that with this book, there's a lot of sensitivity to the culture of Appalachia that I'm not aware of and that probably for space reasons or whatever else there wasn't. There, they didn't go into in depth in a way that would have contextualized it. This is making way more sense now. You take a book well done for Appalachia, at least assuming it's what we're assuming. I get the same disclaimer said at the beginning of the episode, right? But let's assume it's well done for Appalachia. Yeah. Neither of us is from Appalachia. So. Yes. Let alone. I have driven through it, but. Yes. I'm, I, we were talking before we record, started recording. I'm never actually sure if I've been it, in it or not, but that's. A, you would know. You would know. Yeah. Then probably beautiful. Not. It's very beautiful. I've been on interstates. That's most of what I've been in the U.S. But yeah, so you take this good thing for Appalachia, and then with less care, it's extended to the entire territory covered by Canada, the continent, most of the U.S. and Mexico. You can get. Pro- I could definitely see where those problems came from there. Yeah, for sure. In any case, but the rules that are we'll, in here... We'll be having more discussions of Nunahi in general later in more yeah. episodes. And especially when we get to the player's guide where a lot of these rules get expanded and developed much further. Yeah. But after all that, we have a bunch of changelings. Yeah. I have one more question that came up from this that's just like a rule thing. It talks about you must use Fey 1 or Fey 2 to bring others. <gasps> yes, I did. I did notice that. And I'm like, who is that for? <laughs> right. So... Apparently, the distinction between Kithane and Galen 
doesn't matter. <laughs> or maybe it does, and there's noble Nunahi. So yeah, to step sideways, it says the Nunahi can bring other changelings into the Umbra with him. He must have the Fey Realm of the appropriate level, one for commoners, two for nobles, a spend one glamour for point for every person brought over. All those stepping sideways must hold hands. Yeah. So if changeling includes Kithane, that's interesting because it implies that the kithane galleon distinction doesn't matter, just the commoner noble distinction for affecting others. If it's only meant to refer to other Nunahi, then yes, it implies there are noble Nunahi. So either way... Or it implies Nunahi are fae for to accept, affect themselves. I, I, I don't think that would be the likely reading, but... Yeah. I don't think that's what they meant, but perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and there was also part of the character creation section. The this was another uh like I'm saying this is better than I expected, but there's still some things. It says Nunahi aren't supposed to generally take streetwise, drive, computer, or science. That what I found to be the most defensive part of this chapter. I think part of that again is more to do with the Appalachian piece. Well, in part, because there is the Appalachian piece, which is I can understand them saying streetwise doesn't make a lot of sense if you're living high up on a mountain in the woods. But then yeah, the other but part Kithane is Kithane in this book too. Like you right. could play Kith this is meant for Kithane PCs as well. For right. But so the other part that I had a problem with is that to some extent the Nunahi are presented as kind of being kind of staying away from mortals and secluding themselves. And that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because I would imagine they would very much want to keep in contact with people in their culture who are human and yes. inspire them, etc. So to have them just kind of be reclusive nature spirits, that that really only works from a werewolf perspective for me. Yeah. And making them sort of changelings, you know, in the full sense of the word. And having them be, having them have a human side equivalent to the Kithane, you know, they, yeah. they might grow up in town where they learn to drive or had science class. I would, I would like that depiction more. And I think that they have over the editions moved closer to that, which is good. Mm -hmm. So, but there is also that sort of reputation Appalachia has of being poor schools and, and poor roads and all of that. So, yeah. But drive that I don't understand. I Maybe mean, I'm really missing a part of Appalachia. I thought not everyone has a car. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Getting on to the other characters. Yes, we have a passel of Appalachian changelings, starting with Countess Teresa, the worst Fiona ever. Mm-hmm. She's just I don't know, there were some bad Fionas in other books we've done so far. She's just like mean girls Fiona, that's all. Mm. The money quote is, you are the picture of charm and gaiety. Laugh, smile, and do your best to make the people around you feel that they are as good as you are. They aren't, but they shouldn't suffer for it. Or suffer because of it. She's just the worst. Let, it, let us know in the Discord, uh, which we have a link to in the show notes on our website, uh, if you want us to do an episode of the top 10 worst Fiona in Changeling the Dreaming. Then we have the aforementioned issue. When I was talking about the, the issue earlier, like it wasn't just this one character. I was talking about it mentioned a bunch of issue or like that. Not yeah, one of the aforementioned issue. Yeah. Then we have a wolf puka who's masquerading as a silver fang. Yep. And a red cap, a red cap biker girl, and a few Nunahi. 
So we have Nunahi with stats for the first time. Yes. And character creation rules. So it's... I, I think that the characters, the Nunahi characters presented here, I'm glad they're here because finally we get more depth than just Nunahi warbands have been seen on the edges mm-hmm. of the county or whatever. Yep. They still feel pretty stereotypical to me. But Yeah, the 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 leader guy felt like a leader guy in a lot of could be in a the same personality and similar dilemmas in a lot of changeling games for a lot of groups at yeah. least it's like okay you have this once you have this conflict that's complicated and you have to deal with the people who don't want to be moderate about it and want to like go fight and other people who are like no not so much and then you're trying to bounce that that just that's not a steer that's just like a stroke trope of leadership in a game i think (laughs) or setting right where there's strife but not war yeah but it's Um, just it's that combined with sort of the trope of the wise chief who wants peace you know hmm. and and that's i mean again by comparison with nameless descriptions of raiding parties just kind of popping up that's good but at the same time i would have wanted to hear more about like his human side or what he does in his off hours you know he is essentially a low um king david on a smaller scale yes so i mean it's not like we got off hours for king david either but that's not saying it's good but yeah i mean king david for as much as he pops up you know kingdom of willows is really the only time we get any kind of personal information about him so yeah the rest of the time is he's just king david yeah and there was another character named footstomper here there was a line about him I found confusing with what we were talking about earlier. Uh, it talks about, you know, where he grew up in the town, like the village or something. I can't remember what the exact term is, but it made it seem like he's with like a bunch of mortals, but he hates mortals and doesn't want anything to do with them. Unless he's like a, living in like a large community of Nunahi, like large to the point where it would feel weird talking about that many Kithane. Unless he meant mortals, he they should have said like, white mortals maybe <laughs> it was strange i'm i mean i'm looking at his description and i'm not sure it says occasionally he ventures into a town and wreaks havoc on storefront windows with his well-placed missiles currently he's trying to get more of his tribe to join him yeah. but yeah but that's all the changelings we get so six total and a whole bunch of werewolves before that i do like just On to the next page. I mean, the rest of the book really doesn't have anything to do with Changeling, but if you turn the page, you get the start of chapter five, which has a group called the Black Spiral Square Dancers, which is just priceless. (laughs) So I missed that. That is amazing. Anyone running a werewolf game, please include that in your next session. I never realized just, you know, there's like so many dancing puns you could make about that. Absolutely. Anyway, there is an appendix that has a little bit more we get some of the nunihi totems and i really like the note about ballads because the traditional folk ballads are really important in my understanding to appalachian musical culture and there's reference to how those songs are used to kind of pass on bits of wisdom bits of history and potentially in a changeling game bits of important lore that characters might want to know so it's a nice tool to sort of slip plot hooks in or slip information in that's appropriate for the setting and that's basically it yeah and i do do think like the spirit like they had some werewolf rules for gifts from them but yeah the rest of it 
you could take this book, not have Werewolf, never read Werewolf, and assuming you only cared about the parts we're talking about, fully use them in a game, I think. For sure. So what were your thoughts overall about the material? Yeah, like I was saying, I, it explains a lot about the Nunei, like yeah. where they came from as a concept. Like, it, it works better here, I thought, than other descriptions I've read of them in Changeling. There's still problems, but not quite as much. Maybe the main problem comes back to the fact that they started as an accessory to another game line and then were spun into a central playable part of Changeling without getting kind of the needed depth to yeah to kind of break them out a little bit from their original conception. I ha- it's been a while since I've read the original player's guide so I'm going to have to go back and see how in depth that truly did get by comparison, but from my recollection it it wasn't much more than this. I mean, I think the rules are pretty much identical and yeah, yeah. and the cultural aspects too like like we were saying like it works maybe it maybe it works for Appalachia and you're saying from your knowledge of it it seems to for you or at least better. I can understand why it's in there. I'll put it like that. Yeah. But like you extend that like for the cultures I'm more familiar with, it makes less sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially once you're getting to like the far north of Canada. For like, sure, yeah. None of this works for Inuit. Like they shouldn't even be Nunahi in my mind, like the same group. But Yeah. Yeah, part of it is really the geography, I think, where it is a place that you could presumably just hole up with your family generation after generation and never leave because you have everything you need. You don't have any need to really go down the mountain, go down the river, you know? So there's that element. It does also present sort of, I guess, the most obvious point of connection between werewolf and changeling with the defensive nature and the resistance to sort of human intrusion into it, which has a very different expression if you're dealing with Kithane or dealing with Nunahi. And also a different expression. But it's, it's there for both yeah. groups care about that in this game. Right. And of course, things like Pentex is awful to humans overall. So all changelings should be against them, especially because mm-hmm. they have Fomori, who might be Fomorians. We're not really sure. Yeah, I, I think the technocracy should be against them. Like that's, it's not a disliking that group. Like I could I could see like half the Thalane hating them. Well, but this isn't a mage book. So. <laughs> I mean, half the Thalane also like of changeling, like going, hmm, I don't like you guys. So. Yeah. And there are other hooks too. I mean, werewolves and changelings both have the epic story connection, which the ballad aspect also mm-hmm. kind of connects to the notion of defending tradition. Yeah. But I guess that's it for Rage Across Appalachia. Yeah, it's the first book that turned the Nunahi into actually people that you could play and not early Sabat gonna attack you mm. kind of thing. Small steps. Small steps. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. That's uh this is changing the podcast you can find us at changelingthepodcast.com we have a facebook group for changing the podcast uh we have a twitter what's the twitter changeling cast or at changeling cast you can email us at podcast at changelingthepodcast.com and we have a discord that doesn't have a nice little link so you can check that uh on our website or in the show notes The link is included at the bottom of each show notes after the mysterious quotes and biographies that are included each time. So until next time, dream safe. Dream safe.